Coming up next on Inside Golf Podcast, Dave Tyndall and I talking through the betting board for the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews. But first, we are presented, as always, by rickrungoods.com. All of the stats, tools, and info that I will be discussing with Dave can be found over at rickrungoods.com. You can sign up today using promo code Andy, and that will give you full access to my in-depth breakdown of St. Andrews on Sunday morning, a full Wednesday DraftKings report, ownership, weather, all that good stuff that be super important for a open championship uh, and access to any questions that you might have for me this week uh, in that Slack channel. That Slack channel is hands down the best place to reach me. And we'd love to have you as part of the team. One more reminder as well. I'm giving away $200. Um, that will be announced on the podcast next week. All you got to do five-star review on Apple podcasts. That's it. And you'll be entered into the drop. Please make sure you leave your Twitter handle or email address so I know how to contact you if you win. And uh, yeah, it goes a really long way on these weeks. So if you have the extra 30 seconds to leave a five-star review, it means more than you know. Okay, I think that's all we got at the top. We are recording this on Sunday evening. So Xander Shoffley just won the Scottish Open about 45 minutes ago. So as you can imagine, I'm pretty fired up. Let's bring in Dave. All right. Dave Tyndall is here. Dave Tyndall Golf on Twitter. He does two incredible pieces uh, for the majors. Uh, He starts off with the trends article, and then he also puts out his picks. I think both are out by now. Is that correct, Dave? Yeah, I've I've gone early uh, this year. (laughs) Um, I've got quite a lot on, so I thought I'd, I'd go early. Even then, um, I put mine out Sunday afternoon UK. Even then, the price got one of the prices got cut already. While I was writing it, and I thought, "Oh wow, you've got to be so quick." <laughs> yeah, you certainly do. And I mean, that's something we'll talk about a lot because I've already started to. We're recording this on Sunday evening, right after Xander Shoffley just won the Scottish Open, and I saw that number as high as. 33 to one a few days ago. And now I'm seeing market is around 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've got him at those sort of prices. I've, I've got him at 33s and 30s. Oh, wow. So um, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Did, did I want him to win the Scottish because he's, he's won the JP McManus then the Scottish. Do you win three in a row if you're not called tiger? So it's what it, it's good, isn't it? But it's kind of, I don't know. There's part of you that always thinks just a nice tenth will do, and then we'll right. build. But so I'm not sure. I mean, it was a great performance. He was the wrong side of the draw in Scotland. So he's, but then, you know, he's he's been under the gun a lot. I'm hope I'm hopefully it goes down the path of he, it just builds more confidence, and it will be great for him. So right. Well, even if if you, if you go back a little bit farther, he's won the Travelers as well, and you yeah. know he also won the team event with uh, yeah. with Cantlay about five starts ago. So, I mean, if we're being a little liberal here with our counting the JP McManus as a win, yeah. as well as the team events, even a little bit debatable as well. But you, if you add all them together, we're talking you know four in his last seven. So he's certainly the prices are certainly getting slashed for a reason. Before we before we talk about kind of the top of the board and the guys who are priced around Xander. You were just telling me before we went hot that you've played St. Andrews before. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the course before we started talking about the players. What were some of the things that you were you were looking for this week based on, you know, your experience playing the course and just kind of your your regular breakdown of what you think's in store for this week? Yeah, so I played the course. It was the day after the um, women's uh, Rico Open was held there. It was kind of, the, they opened it for the press the day after. Mm. So was that oh, 2014 maybe? So it was a while ago. And yeah, it was um, it was a shotgun start. That'll never catch on. Um, <laughs> so I started on the 14th hole. Um, I'm, I'll put it out there. I'm, I'm not very good at golf at all. Really not. So I... I play a few rounds a year. I'm off maybe 22, something like that. So it, for me, it was just a kind of wide-eyed look at the course. 
Um, but I, I, it was pretty memorable because it, it meant I played 18 and one back to back, which was a pretty oh. neat thing oh. to do. <laughs> and I did for, for my level, I played pretty well. I, I parred 18, I parred one, then I parred two and I parred three. So I don't think many times I've had four <laughs> pars in a row at my level. So I thought that was quite nice, but yeah, it was one of those courses where you would probably have to play it so many times to figure it out completely. It was just, I mean, sometimes you kind of play a course and you think, I get it, this is what this was. But I just remember a lot of shots from the tee. Where am I going here? You know, it'd be no one, if there'd be no one with me who hadn't played the course, I generally wouldn't quite know where to look at. So it, it was difficult viewing course. So the more times you played it, I mean, maybe we, if you ask people their most, you know, the holes they know best, it's probably say one and 18 and it, it's, it, it's brilliant. And it does. I'd, add, se- I'd add 17 tail. Yeah, I'd say 17. So I played that was my, <laughs> so that would have been my fourth hole of the day. And I, I did hit it into the hotel. Um, so <laughs> I think my ball was somewhere I didn't hear the, I didn't hear a crash of glass, but I think it might have gone into some chairs. <laughs> but that was never to be seen again. So, so yeah, those three holes. But yeah, certainly the confidence you've got from hitting off that first tee—it's so wide, isn't it? So wide open. I tend to sort of hit a, a fade, uh, so I could just aim a mile left and know I'd be safe there. <laughs> uh, so that was good. So yeah, but it, it was. I think the overall impression was just that if you've played here a lot, you'll the more the better. Anyone coming here to play it first time, they've got a bit of a job on their hands. Okay, so you touched on something that I've been thinking about a lot as well, where I think there seems to be this narrative forming a little bit about how, you know, how is this course going to stand up to modern technology? As you mentioned, it's so incredibly wide off the tee and you have to imagine with how far these guys hit it nowadays it's not a very long course right so i was going through hole by hole and thinking okay man this guy it's probably driver wedge on this hole driver wedge on this hole man this hole you could even drive the green for some of these guys but i thought about it a little bit more and i i I talked to um you know one of my friends that'll be on the podcast tomorrow who played saint andrews a couple weeks ago and I do not think that St. Andrews is the type of course where you can kind of just wail away with driver. A lot of the hazards are hidden off the tee. As you mentioned, you can't really see a lot of those pot bunkers off the tee and a lot of the the ground contour surrounding the pot bunkers really make the pot bunkers play a lot bigger than they are. Right. And, and a lot of people have said the same thing that you have Dave about how it is a course that, rewards experience right the first time you play it you kind of go back through a hole after and are like oh man maybe i would have played this hole a little bit differently if i had known there was a bunker right there so i kind of have come to this conclusion that i think that you know players will definitely be able to have a lot of wedges in and probably make their fair share of birdies but i don't think that this course is going to be brought to its knees the way maybe some other people do. Where do you kind of fall in terms of how easy or difficult this is going to play and maybe maybe throw out like a range of winning score that you kind of are, are targeting this week? Yeah, so I think the last three opens there were one with I think, 14, 15, and 16, maybe in a different order, but around, right. you know, around 15 under. And Louis Ustase won by seven, didn't he? So that's, you know, second place with single digits. Yeah. I've got a friend who lives there who's been putting a load of pictures on Facebook. It does look quite browned out, I have to say, the course. Very brown. browned yeah. areas. So, I mean, if, if I mean, I did hear reports that the wind wasn't going to be a factor, but it's, it's 20 miles an hour. It's something, <laughs> you know, that's not... It's not nothing. Not insignificant. Yeah, there are defences. There, there is the wind, which you hope for. Um, obviously, if it's going to be firm and fast and dry and bouncy then it's going to be hard to, even with a wedge in hand, you've got to bounce it short and bounce it up and you can't just plop it down there. It's, you know, it's not just fire at the flag stuff, as we know with opens, but particularly here, I mean, the greens are massive, aren't they? They've got these double greens as well, uh, which which everyone knows about. So, 
I've heard as well, there's, there's quite a thick area of rough on the seven, back to the 17th. If right. you want to avoid the hotel, then you go left, but there's quite a lot of thick hay down the left, so that tightens that in. So, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit sceptical that these fears, I think it's a bit fear-mongering. It's, it's almost like those videos at US Open courses when people drop the ball in the rough and, it, and they think, well, this is impossible, and it never is, is it? So it's almost like the other way around with this right. one. I don't, don't think it's too easy because I think it will, you know, it has some defense, as you guys would say. Right. The other thing that I would throw out there is, the RNA is fully aware of this narrative that's been forming. I mean, they know that this major championship is a bit of a litmus test for where the game is heading. And it's not like they're sitting there saying, okay, we need to get this target score of five, six, seven under par. But they are aware that modern technology and St. Andrews are at a bit of a crossroad. And I do think they're going to do every single thing that they can to have this not be one at 25, 26 under par, yeah. because it's certainly in the RNA's best interest to have a very good argument to be able to keep coming back to St. Andrews. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I was quite reassured when I looked today, the weather forecast that it wasn't completely still. Right. Uh, because that would be a, a concern, but yeah, I'm not quite buying into it. I don't think you're going to look at the leaderboard on day one and see, see Dean Bermester shot 61. I just don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think where we've seen it in the past, right? I, I, I think 15, 16 under sounds about right to me. Maybe somebody gets hot and gets to 18 or 19, but I think if that's the case, then that person's probably winning by five, six, seven strokes. I mean, I, I think maybe three or four guys cross 10 under par and, and, and somebody at 16 and 17 is kind of where, where I have it pegged. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's talk about some of the players. So I want to, I want to start at the top of the board here, Dave, and feel free to throw out any numbers. I know you guys have a ton of great books over there and you guys have the each way pricing as well. I'm using DraftKings uh, mm -hmm. pricing in America right now. So I'm going to give you the guys 25, 25 to one and under. Rory McIlroy is at the top at nine to one. John Rahm twelve. Xander Shoffley fourteen. Scotty Scheffler fourteen. Justin Thomas sixteen. Jordan Spieth sixteen. Matthew Fitzpatrick sixteen. Colin Morikawa twenty. Cameron Smith twenty-two. Shane Lowry twenty-two. Let's stop there. Of that group, Dave, who are you targeting? Have you made any bets? Um, I did manage to back Rory McIlroy in maybe December, okay. knowing, knowing that obviously the Open was coming here, knowing the fact that if he's, if he's in any sort of form, his price would crash. <laughs> so I've got him at 18s, which is quite nice for Rory. That's incredible. I'd take yeah. that in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's nice to have because, as I say, he, he was the one that there's always been this theory that he will win an Open here at, you know, at some point. It's amazing. I wrote today, it's 12 years since he played an Open at St. Andrews, which just doesn't seem possible. Right. Does it? He skipped the 2015 one, and in 2010, yeah. I think he went 63-80 to start. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But he, he, he's obviously played the Alfred Dunhill links there a, a lot of times. Right. I, I, I do remember I was, I was covering that 2010 Open for Sporting Life, uh, which Ben Cody now works for. I think Ben's been on your show. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I I was at Sporting Life back then. Uh, and I remember, I think when Rory shot his 63, because he's played the Dunhill links quite a few times, he reeled off every round he'd ever scored at St. Andrews. He just sort of went 63, 65. 65. <laughs> he just, so he's, I don't think he would do that at any other course. He's, it's kind of like the old idea of Tiger having these sort of scores Jack Nicholas things that he can beat. And Rory's got a real special relationship with this course. So I do, it's whether you can pull the trigger now. Or, what is he eight? Is he eight to one? Does he say it? I'm seeing nine at DraftKings. Yeah. I think the, I think you could probably shop around and find a 10 and, and I'm with you. I, I think guts my head. Rory wins this tournament. I'm just yeah. trying to, I'm just trying to factor how confident, am I in Rory? Because if I do end up betting Rory at a nine to one or 10 to one, that pretty severely limits what else I could do. It would probably be my, my betting card would probably be Rory and maybe one guy 
above 50, 60 or 70 to one, right? Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones where you've got to project yourself into the future. If, if on Sunday evening and Rory's won and you didn't bet him, <laughs> are you, you know, or, or do you feel I can let him go at that price? It's, I'm in a difficult position because I've got him at this nice price. I can just sit back. But right. if I was asked to have the bet now, oh, it's tricky. Because like you say, if if this was no betting involved, someone just said to me who's going to win, I'd say him. Right. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that it's a much more difficult decision at uh, at 10 to 1 because this whole range, I think you can make a great case for a lot of these players. I mean, What's interesting about Xander now is, and you can speak on this more too, because I'm curious to know how you're feeling holding the ticket. You know, part of part of me worries that, okay, maybe he's just, it's not that easy. He's coming in with so much steam now. And the other part of me says, wow, his statistical profile is extremely, extremely similar to Scotty Scheffler right before he won the Masters. Yeah. It- it's probably a fault that a lot of people have. Certainly I, I have where I, I sometimes think there's a, there's a finite limit on how many times a player can win. And <laughs> it's like they use it up. I remember way back in, in 1998 when Mark Amira won the masters, I thought, well, he can't then win and he can't then win the open. And he did. And he won it at a place where, was it Burpdale where he'd, he'd won some tournament called the Lawrence Batley way back in the day. And he was in great form. It's almost like you can't you, but then, you know, you, you could have said, "Oh, Scotty Scheffler, he's used up all his wins. He can't win another one." And and yet maybe it's the exact time to back them, isn't it? When they're on in this huge, tremendous purple patch. So yeah, with with Xander, I've just got to train myself away from that thought that he's used up all his luck, and because he's just. He's just in brilliant form, isn't he? I think the problem with him before was great player, but he doesn't win enough. And now we've seen him, yeah, get all, as you said, a pairs event and a, a 36-hole JP McManus thing. But it's all it's all a win, isn't it? It's a win-win-win in his brain. He's going win-win-win. And then the Travellers, the Scottish, they're genuine events. Yeah, he's... Plus, he's, you know, he's finished runner-up in the Open before. He, he's got a massive chance. And I'm... I'm Again, it's one of those ones where would I back him at this sort of price? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. What about, yeah. I want to tee you up on Spieth too, because I caught a little bit of your article and I know you're pretty high on him. And he's probably, in my opinion, if I don't end up, if I take myself out of the Rory sweepstakes, the guys that I would be considering in this range, I don't love the 16. I'm hoping I can maybe find something in that 22 to 25 range, but would be would be Spieth and Cameron Smith, actually, for me. Yeah. Um, in my uh, trends piece, I've made this big link between Augusta National form and St. Andrew's form. And the, way back in the day, there was some, you know, it's not just cleverly spotting some numbers. Alistair McKenzie and Bobby Joe did have a, you know, right. St. Andrew's right. in mind. So it is a... It is a, an architectural thing as well, some of the sh- shots that you need and the creativity and the thought processes. And it, it did play out before. I mean, when, when I was trying to link it, obviously Tiger at both. I think when I really thought, wow, this is a link, is when John Daly was third at the Masters. <laughs> thought, wow, this really does uh, tally up. So that would apply to Spieth and Cameron Smith, of course, uh, the, that Augusta link. The, the only thing with... With um, Cameron Smith, his open record isn't that good. It's not. And I don't quite know why you would think as an Aussie growing up on fast, firm turf that it right. would be better, but it's not. And I don't quite figure that out. Is it? Is he due to have a good one? Is it? Is he just now a better player that, that he will now? It, it seems like, um, you know, I... I was looking at your trends piece and I, what was interesting to me was I think a lot of people are going to get thrown off the set by Morikawa, what Morikawa did last year, when in reality, Morikawa was really the outlier. There is yeah. this huge precedent for having open form, right? I mean, the average, what was it, 10 open championships that you've played in on average with Morikawa being the outlier yeah. at one and Spieth was the only other one at four? 
yeah, so, so yeah, and they've all, Morikawa, as you say, he's the outlier. Everyone else has had a top 10, right? at least one top 10 in an open. So he just came from nowhere. And I think he was probably helped that it wasn't the worst weather as well that right. week at Royal St. George's. Plus he's Colin Morikawa. He, he already had a win, didn't he, a major win. He's got a freakish majors record. Uh, very few players win two that early. So, yeah, so, yeah, it's dangerous to think, oh, anyone can now turn up and win this first time. Uh, so I I would, of those two, I would definitely lean towards Spieth because he, he would some, somehow seem a fitting winner at, at St Andrews. I think he's a, you know, a big, iconic name. Um, and obviously he's, he could have won it, couldn't he, in 2015? I suppose with that, you, you're thinking... Was he just in amazing form because he'd won the first two? I think it's more than that. I think he's proven by winning at Birkdale that he, he, he loves the Lynx test, doesn't he? He loves the Lynx test, loves the creativity. I've been at Opens and I've just seen him wandering around the street and the town and he just he soaks it all and he loves it. So, yeah, I, I do. I'm big on Jordan Spieth this week. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's something about these types of courses that bring out the best in him. I think Spieth is at his best when he's stimulated creatively, right? At a place like Augusta, which gives you all these different options. And St. Andrews is the exact same way. I've heard St. Andrews be described before by Jeff Shackelford. I talked a little bit about this on my Sunday pod. He said, it's the most strategic golf course of all time. And it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't look that way, right? But there's all these different ways that you can get around St. Andrews and get to kind of the same score at St. Andrews. And it's it's a golf course that you could play a hundred times and on visit 99, you're gonna notice something that you've never noticed before. And I think those types of golf courses where it's not driving range golf, if that makes sense, it's not track man golf. I think those are the ones that play into Jordan Spieth's hands the most. And you know what? You could probably make some of that argument for Justin Thomas a little bit. I mean, you watch the way that JT, he's kind of put that win narrative to rest. I mean, I think he's gotten the wrong side of the draw in every single one of these majors. And and obviously he was able to overcome that to win the PGA. So I, I really think that it's so hard to quantify, Dave, like statistically, but this idea of being a creative player I know it sounds a little cliche, but I, th- I think it's really true here. Yeah, I think some, sometimes it used to be with Bubba, didn't it? Bubba couldn't see a straight line. He likes right. to bend things, and that worked brilliantly for him at Augusta. And speed the same. I think he likes curling putts in, doesn't he? I think if the world was straight lines, his brain doesn't work like that. He sees curves <laughs> and arcs and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's a it's a great course for him, Jordan Speed. I think any open course is a good one for Jordan Spieth. He went well at Royal St. George's, didn't he, last time? I yeah. think he's just someone who will keep being up there every year and open for many years to come. Whereas I think with Justin Thomas, I, I love the idea of him playing well because he loves the history. I think I saw that this was his first pro event, the uh, the Dunhill Lynx back in 2000, whenever it was. Right. Um, but the open record isn't quite there. And it's not. Can we keep giving him excuses? The wrong side of the draw? Well, yeah, Shuffle was on the wrong side of the draw in the Scottish Open. He's just won it. You can, at some point, he's got to really, you know, really put something down there. I remember he, he did say he, he absolutely loved Royal Port Rush, didn't he? He, abs- he? Before that tournament, he was absolutely glowing and thrilled about that place. And, what did he come eleventh? Yeah, is good, but it's not. You know, he was never in the mix. Lowry really run yeah. away, ran away with that one. So yeah. even on his absolute dream open course, he's still not there. I mean, I love for various sort of live reasons and just the history reasons and and being a nice guy reasons. I really want Justin Thomas to do well, but then he's he's missed the cut at the Scottish Open as well. You kind of think. It's a nice idea, but practically, is he the best bet this week? I don't think he is. I want to move down a little bit farther um, to this range where and kind of open it up with some of these names like Cantlay and Zalatoris and Dustin Johnson and Hovland and Burns and Hideki. 
I mean, this middle tier, Dave, is is pretty loaded from from twenty five to fifty, and there are a lot of big names. Everyone from, like I said, Zalatoris, who's been pretty electric at these majors recently, to I'm seeing Tiger Woods at forty to one, and a bunch of other guys with a ton of question marks too regarding some of the live stuff. Brooks Kepka is in here, Louis Sazen, who we know has quite the record at St Andrews. Um, Bryson is in here. Uh, I couldn't really think of a guy with more questions about his form than Bryson. So I kind of want to open it up to you and and ask you in this mid tier, who are kind of the guys that have, have your attention the most? Yeah. So what price have you got Hatton and Fleetwood in there? Are they in that? Would you describe them as mid tier? Yeah. So I'm looking at Hatton at 35 to one and Fleetwood at 35 to one. I've seen both of those guys as high as 50 though yeah yeah um they've obviously played the Dunhill links a bunch of times Hatton's won it twice and I think he's runner-up again Fleetwood's got numerous big finishes there so this is a good place for them so they're they're ones you kind of you can trust because they've got this bank of course form uh, that's good He's had a funny year, hasn't he, Hatton? And it's easy to think he's dropped away, but then he can kick back in a little bit. It's dangerous to write him off. Sometimes you think, oh, he's just a hothead. And, but he, he does get, he gets more wins than people think. Tyrrell right. Hatton. And it seems like Lynx brings out the best in him. It seems yeah. like he, it's interesting because, you know, Lynx is the ultimate kind of rub of the green, you yeah. know, you, you kind of have to battle the elements and it seems like there's almost this element of luck a lot of the time involved with links. And yet at the same time, it seems to bring out the best in Hatton. Yeah. You think it's counterintuitive. I mean, there's <laughs> right. every, every reason for him to, to sort of his mind to explode if he gets a bad bounce, but yeah, it is. You've just got to go with the results. Haven't you? And he's, he's played brilliantly in the Alfred Dunhill links. He's played pretty well in the Open itself as well. He's got a couple of decent finishes. Fleetwood obviously went close, didn't he, in 2019? Mm. Uh, so I do, I do like those two as, as home players. Of the of the live guys, if, I didn't realize until today. I have seen some stats for live tournaments. Have, have you come across those? Yeah. The so, ones. so they have the traditional ones, right? Yeah. yeah. To begin with, I thought, well, this is just no use, is it, at all? We don't know what they're doing. So... Yeah, I, I had a little look at Dustin Johnson today. Me too. I did think, mm, could he? But I think he started really well. Was it maybe 2010 or 15? 2015, he was in the mix, I believe. Yeah, and I think 2010, he was maybe top 15, finished. Tied 14th, maybe something like that. Yeah, so it's just whether... It's, yeah, it's the whole competitive thing, isn't it? How competitive has he been for a while, even though he's started to pick up his results in the live, on the, on the live sort of parallel universe? Right. Is he, um, can he just click it and win an open? I don't know. I think you've got a slightly divorce. I mean, I'm no fan of live. I'll put that on the table. So I kind of don't want those players to win. Um, you you and I both, Dave, no, yeah, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're taking the heart out, but I still think the head is telling me no. I don't think he's he can suddenly win one. Uh, there's too many other good players who are playing better and with more motivation, maybe. Yeah, I think the thing that's tricky is I've started paying more and more attention this year to the trends with the majors just because with the majors, it seems to me like we used to have, especially with the open, we used to have these like Todd Hamilton and Ben Curtis and, you know, all these surprise major winners kind of in this, it was from 2000 to 2015 ish. It kind of felt like it was either tiger or Phil or Ernie or VJ or somebody kind of completely off the grid. And now it kind of feels like, this trend of you have to be, you don't necessarily have to be like a top 10 player in the world. You know, we're Shane Lowry, Francesco Molinari's are kind of in that second tier, but you have to check all these boxes. Right. And the biggest one is you have to be coming in in peak peak form. You really have to be at least like hitting the ball really, really well. And that's why I think you started to see this trend more often with 
all these guys starting to play the week before the majors, right? I mean, the Scottish Open has such an, a, a great field this year, and it didn't used to be that way. And the thing I'm struggling with with the live guys is how do we evaluate where their game is at right now? Like, you know, I think we should view maybe a third or a fourth place finish at live as good. There's some good players in the field. You have to be have at least some level of competency to finish third and beat all these other guys. But once we start getting into like Brooks finishes 20th at live is tied with his brother Chase and losing to Jinihiro Kashuma and all the and Hideto Tanahara and all these guys, it's like, how do we evaluate that? It kind of feels like we need we can't really give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Yeah, I, I think at, at the obviously me and yourself, a lot of people look at live through a kind of as an, an ethical lens. But in ter- if we put our betting hats on and just try and see what's happening from a results point of view, I think there is a definite um, there's a definite trend where live players you oppose them in match bets at the moment. There's a definite someone who maybe like Wiesberg, I've been opposing them in match bets because I think there's an there's maybe an initial wow we've joined live we've got all this money right we, right. Can sort of, <laughs> we kind of you know, you just drop down a level. It's just sort of human nature, I think, to maybe just take your foot off the ball and and just think, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm all that money is kind of overtaken. I'm not going to immediately go out and play great because I've got a load of money. It's more like, ah, breathe out, I've got all this money. So maybe they'll bounce back and and once that effect has worn off, maybe they'll they'll start performing. But I think we're still in that zone where... I still think it, the smart money is to is to kind of oppose them and take them on in match bets or ignore them on the outrights because I'm I'm yet to really I mean it's dangerous to class them all as one homogenous mass of greed and right <laughs> yeah but um, it's a trend I think that that the smart money is to to note that they're not playing very well when they come back uh, to other events and to take them on so yeah I think. Johnson was about the closest I would get to thinking. Maybe there's a market top lift player. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he might be the one. Uh, Oosthuizen maybe, obviously, with his course form. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, yeah, I don't think any of them – you can't trust their form enough, as you say. I like DJ, too. DJ was kind of a, the guy that I was considering the most. But I think once you start talking about Louis and Brooks and Bryson – I think I'd rather take my chances on someone like Finau or Neiman. I mean, if I am, I have had a bet on Finau this week. I think he does. Yep. Uh, ticker. What, what price have you got him at? About four. I'm, I'm seeing fifty, which yeah. I feel I feel pretty good about. I, I yeah. think that's one of the the better around uh, around market is fifty. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's got. I think he's got ten top tens in majors. Yep. He's played. He's played uh, the Alfred Dunhill Links twice, which is a bonus. Finished tenth both times, uh, so that, that that's good. It's it, it may I was surprised he wasn't in the Scottish Open field, but maybe he feels that he's played St Andrews enough to to sort of know it a little bit. I don't know. Have you seen him? Has he been anywhere like Ireland practicing or anything? Have you? Uh, I haven't. Anything up? I, he hasn't posted really anything on his Instagram yeah. or something like that. I would imagine all these guys are are in Scotland. He hasn't somewhere, been making, yeah. yeah, somewhere. He hasn't yeah. been making the rounds though. Like I've seen, um, Harold Varner, for example, withdrew from the Scottish open and everyone was like, oh, is, is he injured? And then it's like a photo surfaces of him playing Lahinch in Ireland yeah, with Shane yeah. Lowry the next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I've kind of been waiting for Finau to pop up somewhere at, <laughs> at Ballybunion or somewhere, but, uh, he, I'm not saying, but I presume no news is good news. And you talked about good form being, you know, a, a, a prerequisite. Well, he's got second at the Canadian, second at the Mexico. He had a really spotty start to the year, didn't he, start to the season? But I he think in the, last, the last few months, I think Fina's back at that level where you can kind of plug him in for a, a pretty good week. It's just whether... Yeah, he's good for um, an each way bet. Can you see him winning? Mm. I don't. Know. I think he'd have to. He'd have to do it in a 
maybe a funky way, like go out early on the last day and set right. a target. I don't know if he could play under the gun and take a lead in and win it, but you, you don't know. But I think he's a good price. I mean, he's got the length of the, the t- he, He's another who likes creativity. I think his brain, again, suits that kind yes. of test. Got, I think he's got a fifth and two top tens, two other top tens at Augusta. So, yeah, Finau, definitely loads, loads of good form by the coast. I think he just likes that, that, that kind of environment. So, yeah, he would be a good one. Before we start talking about some of these guys a little bit farther down the board, I see Tiger here at 40 to 1. That feels a bit absurd to me. Is there, where do you land on Tiger this week? Is there any price that would make you say, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give this one a chance? Is there any market? You know, in a, in a, is he somebody you're looking to fade in a matchup market? Is he the type of guy that maybe you'd, you'd feel good? placing a top 20 on where do you kind of land on on tiger's chances this week so we've, we've been here before haven't we and, that, <laughs> and it's dangerous to every time tiger does something beyond what you think is possible you say never again never will i oppose right. this guy again but i'm kind of at that point again i'm thinking he can't he can't <laughs> i think his price is crazy short i really do i think he's crazy he, short It'd have to be. I've just got. I've got this image of him waving on the bridge on Friday, saying, "That's thank you." Right. He kind of already nice. alluded, Dave, that this would be his last competitive yeah. tournament at St Andrews. Yeah. I mean, in, if it's a firm, fast-running course, then and it it comes down to sort of smarts rather than just whacking the ball everywhere. That's going to help. Right. Um, and it's not. It's a flat piece of ground. That's going to help. So there are some positives for Tiger. But, yeah, I, I couldn't back him at 40s. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's fairy tale stuff. Then where do you go then? Do you go top 20, top 30? I could, yeah, I'm, I think it's one of those. I'm more just happy to see him now. I don't need to get involved. I don't. I don't need to make some bet well where I'm thinking I hope he doesn't play so well. I right. don't want I don't want you know, I don't want to fade him. I don't want to take him on in a match, but I'd rather just enjoy his presence. I know that's a bit lame and a bit of a cop out, but yeah, I he, he can't, can he? No. No, no. If I gave you the over under on finishing position, thirty seventh, and you had to say over under he finishes thirty seventh, would you take the over or the under? Yeah, I'd take the over. I, I think yeah. he, he he might well, you know, he might he might be better than that at halfway, mm. possibly. But I think four days of this, you cannot you maybe can you can plot his progress that he'll start maybe well and then sort of steady off and then he'll just tail right. off. So yeah, I, I would go over. It seems like the reports from the grounds are that. He's hitting the ball well, which I think has never been the problem with Tiger, but that he looks like he, it's tough. It's just tougher on him, which is no surprise. That's, I mean, that's the one takeaway that you would have if you watched him at the Masters or Southern Hills this year is that just looks a little bit harder right now, which I think that's probably how it's always going to be with Tiger. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm cautiously optimistic. I hope he plays well. If there was, if he was 150 to one, I'd probably throw 10 bucks on it just for my own mental yeah. health. But the fact that he's priced at 40 leads me to believe that people are actually betting him at 40, um, yeah. which is it's Looney Tunes world for me. <laughs> yeah, if I was um, if I was a bookmaker, I would think I could. Why don't I dangle yeah. 80s or 100? <laughs> yeah, because people would bite, wouldn't they? That price, but. And surely you're safe, aren't you? But yeah, if I don't know, maybe um, no, I mustn't think this. Maybe Tiger <laughs> Tiger would be better off playing a 54 hole tournament, wouldn't he? Ah, <laughs> don't do I it, think, Tiger. I think we're safe on that one. I think yeah. they offered him a billion and he turned it down. Yeah. No, um, oh, that, it's just ironic that the format might actually be might better have for be him. better for him, right? Yeah. I bet you they'd let him take a cart too. He was the only guy at J.P. McManus that I think was yeah. riding in a cart. So I, I think I think Liv would probably let him drive a Ferrari on the course right. if he asked. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> 
So I want to go through some of the longer shot guys, right? And now these these players, it's you know you're starting to feel a little more squeamish about their ability to actually win the tournament. But is there anybody in the you know 100 ish to to one range that you think possesses a legitimate shot? Well, I thought Hao Chong Lee was interesting. He's he's a three figure price, isn't he? He's, uh, Seen about 150s. I don't know what you've got yeah, him out there. I, I'm I'm seeing 152 as well. Yeah, obviously he played that amazing final round at Birkdale when he finished third, solo third, and then he's got he's got a brilliant record in the Alfred Dunhill links. I did I did filter out his scores because obviously, as you know, that's played over three courses, and it just so happened that he he did his best work at St Andrews. So let's find that. Yeah, six rounds at St Andrews is he's a combined twenty-five under. That's pretty tasty, isn't That'll it? That'll work, yeah. And then what did he do two starts ago? He won. So won on the DP World Tour. So he's someone who's we thought how good a player could he become at one point. Then he's he absolutely crashed, didn't he, down the down the rankings. But since the back end of last year when he played well in, in the Alfred Dunhill links, and then he played well at Sony. He's thrown in some good performances. So that win a couple of weeks ago um, wasn't wasn't from nowhere. So he's he's someone, he, he was also the halfway leader in the 2020 US PGA, uh, PGA which again... At Harding Park, that's right. So he, he's someone you think, until you, you kind of think back a bit and maybe check his results. He's got a decent, a pretty decent majors record for a player of that level. Some players you, you know, maybe you like Max Homer or Billy Horschel, you think, well, they, they're doing well. And you check their majors record and it's, it, they tank all the time, don't they? But Lee is one who's, for some reason, he seems to quite enjoy these, these tests. And ju- just that, the fact that it's St. Andrews where his scoring is tremendous. I think that, that gives him a, a shot at something. It might be that it first round leader is a better thing to do with him, but he could play in top 20, top 10 even. I'm going to give you, I like that one a lot, by the way. I was just literally just looking at his DraftKings price uh, while you were talking. Uh, yeah, was the, it? The, the, the case is six. Yeah, he's he's six seven, I believe. Six seven, yeah. Yeah. Let me make sure that's right. I wasn't looking at. at yeah, that, I thought six, it'd be six nine, like actually. That. Yeah, yeah, six nine, yeah. It's yeah. a it's a nice way, isn't it, to to find a cheap option to balance your team out. I think he's although word will get around, I guess, and I'm sure. might, yeah, he'll be yeah. pretty popular yeah. of those under seven k. I want to get ask you very quickly about two guys that I'm considering down here that I'm a bit of a sucker for. The first is Mark Leishman who I've seen as high as a hundred to one. And that's probably close to what I would need to take a shot on Leishman in this field, but he did lose in a playoff in 2015. I, I have always kind of, when I did my majors preview in December and I was giving long shots, I kind of always had this idea of, of Leishman in my head. And then do you think, you think Adam Scott's got one more in him? Why why hasn't Adam Scott gone to live, right? Doesn't doesn't it seem like Adam Scott would be the most uh, a very natural live candidate and yet, you know, he just finished 14th at the US Open. He gained like a ton on approach, but at the same time he's been incredibly frustrating. I mean, he hasn't really his last win I believe was Riviera, I think in in 2020 and so those are kind of the two guys that, you know, I always I'm always interested in, but I, I'm a little bit dubious about viewing them on Sunday afternoon holding the trophy. Yeah, I mean, a, f- a few weeks ago, I th- I thought Scott was going to live. I thought right. that was a, that was a thing, and that was that seemed to be a quite a strong rumor, but it's not happened. But as you say, yeah, if if some of those guys who are in their forties, he would seem an obvious one, unless he's right, unless he's. Justin Rose as well is the other one that I was thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they've, I don't know whether Rory's got in their ear, whether they've just taken a a view that it's not for them. Right. I don't know. But yeah, Adam Scott, I, I do, I always remember him. I don't know if, if this is that well remembered. You always remember it if you've had a bet. But Adam Scott 
drove out of bounds on 18 here in 2015. Does, does that, do you recall I that? No, I yeah. can't say I remember that. Yeah. I do, of course, remember Royal Lytham with Adam Scott. Yeah. That was one of my first golf tournaments. Yeah. I, I was like, I think I was thir- 13 or 14 watching with my dad, and I remember that one very clearly. Yeah, that was, that was a big one, wasn't it? That he, he famously he blew, but he had a run of, I think, four top tens in the Open. Uh, that was one of them. I I don't know whether you when you type Adam Scott wiki, you always get the actor Adam Scott. <laughs> you get two actors before you get the golfer. I do anyway. So yeah, so here that the one where Ernie else beat him. That's the one where it clearly it got away uh, from him. So, and then he was third, fifth, and tenth. And the tenth was here. Yep, 10th at St. Andrews, 2015. Yeah, but that 10th was, he was right in that tour. He was right in there because a few of us had backed him each way. And I think he needed to finish top six, I think, with the each way terms. And then we looked at his scorecard and he'd taken maybe a six or seven on the last. And he'd gone from a lock to get a top six to 10th. And then we did a bit of research. And someone said, yeah, he hit the hotel. He went out of bounds and it's just, how can you do that? Uh, so, yeah, Adam Scott, he's had a funny career. In the, he had this big sort of concentration of good finishes in the majors in the early part of the last decade. Right. But I've noticed he's not had a top 10 in a major since 2019. Mm. So is he, is he kind of running out of gas a little bit? But then, you know, he's close enough in the US Open. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's an interesting one. Um, in an open, you think that an open's the one where the guile and the experience and and all those things will stand him in good stead. And Leishman, yeah, Leishman, as you said, he, he made the playoff last time. You always think you always think Aussies have got some, you know, sort of step up, don't you, on a on a Lynx course? Yeah. And um, yeah, Scott has shown it. Leishman has shown it. Whether Cam Smith shows it, we're not sure. Um, if I had to pick between Scott and Leishman, for some reason I would go Scott. Leishman's been slightly off for me. Right. I just think Scott can maybe just just work his way around here and, and do quite well. One of those guys would probably be the partner if I end up going down the Rory route. If I end up back in Rory at 10, 9, 10 to 1, I, yeah. think, I'd, I think I'd pair him with one of those guys and call it a day. Is there anyone else, Dave, um, you want to touch on before we get out of here? Anyone else that you're burning on that we didn't get to? Well, I suppose you you know the uh, Keith Mitchell link, do you, I presume, with his sister? I don't. Okay, Enlighten well, me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Keith Mitchell's sister went to St. Andrews University. Huh. Yeah. So uh, who would have thought? So he's come over t- to Scotland to see her with and, him and the dad it, yeah. a number of times. I think he talked about it at the end of Canada that it, it, it qualified and his dad says that's the best thing he'll ever do, qualify for an open St Andrews. So he's got a real little connection uh, with the old course. It's a, it's one that you would never have guessed, would you? That No. Um, he's a University of Georgia guy. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his sister went to the uh, St Andrews University because this came up um, a few years ago, in the Alfred Dunhill Links, when Victor Perez won, and people were saying, "Why is Victor Perez winning? He's a Frenchman. What's the?" And then we found out his girlfriend lived in Dundee, which was just <laughs> literally twenty miles away, and he'd played a load of um, links golf in these sort of wins. So sometimes little nuggets like that are, are interesting. But yeah, Keith, I did notice Keith Mitchell. I think he shot a final around sixty-eight in the Scottish Open. After a bit of a, he's been playing. He's been playing well, and he has been playing well. Yeah. So, so if that works out, that's quite interesting. I think he has been back. So I've I've seen quite a bit of money come from. I think that news has maybe spread a bit deeper into the betting community. So I don't know what you've got him out there. Is he hundred still? Keith Mitchell. I'm seeing. Yeah, you can get him. I'm seeing one twenty. On Keith Mitchell, okay. it's not bad. And uh, did he? 
Did he win the Honda Classic? Did he win the what did he win? He did win the Honda Classic. So he won the Honda Classic a couple of years ago though. It was Oh, I just saw I found a 200 on Keith Mitchell by the way, which yeah. I mean at that point, I think you got to I think you got to take a chance there. I mean if you if you're saying you where do you pull the trigger on Tiger? Well, surely Keith Mitchell <laughs> given those kind of things because it's it's quite an interesting one to to win the um, the Honda Classic because you look at the people who've won that down the years, Ernie Els, mm-hmm. Open champion, Todd Hamilton won it and then won <laughs> and then won the Open, Padraig Harrington's won it. Ricky, a, Ricky Fowler's been I know Ricky Fowler hasn't won an Open Championship but he's been excellent yeah, on legs Ju- courses. <laughs> Justin Leonard has won the Honda. He's won the Open. Matt Kuchar won it. Jesper Parnovic won it. They're both open runners-up. If, it... if Shane Lowry didn't catch a stray random rainstorm yeah, he, on the 18th tee, he would have won it this year too, yeah. Mark Kalkovecki has won it twice. He's won the Open. It's a bit. It's a big... Adam Scott's won it, by the way. That helps your <laughs> Scott bet. But um, Justin Thomas has won it as well. Um, right. But yeah, there's... I mean, it's an open, exposed course, isn't it, that gets windy. Um, right. So that would be the, the reason why. But it's an interesting one that Keith Mitchell has won that. It's a good for major winners as a whole. Why Yang won that tournament and then he's he won the, Yeah, same year as well. Uh, so yeah, Keith, Keith Mitchell is the interesting one that if, if he played really well and it seemed a, that's a bit strange, then there's, there's this little quirky reason that he's got this little in at St. Andrews that, you know, who would have guessed? Have you last last question before we get out of here? Have you been to have you been to an open before? I know you've played St Andrews, but have have you been? And what what is kind of what is what's the excitement like where where you are right now? I know I know you're in England, but I have to imagine it's kind of at a fever pitch for this particular open. I've heard this one. I've heard people talk about oh, is this the most important? Open Championship of our, our this is important major of our of our lifetime with Tiger and and all the fracturing with Liv and stuff, Rory, yeah. Spieth, all those guys. Yeah, so I, I my first Open was 1997, and I've been to every one since, apart from last year. Um, <laughs> so I've been to Good St answer. Andrews. Yeah, I've I've been to St Andrews 2000, 2005, 2010, but it's it's a hard. It's a small place and everybody wants to be there. It's very hard to find accommodation. Right. So so much so that um, two of those times I was actually working there. I had to stay in a tent. <laughs> and it gets worse. One time this tent blew away. 2010, I walked back to the tent to the campsite and I was I can't even see my tent. So I went to the, the, the manager guy. I said, I'm not being funny, but I think my tent's blown away. And he went, yeah, a few blew away. I thought, oh, great. Thanks for telling me. So I found, like, um, my clothes were, like, pinned to other tents. The wind has sort of stuck them to other tents. So it, it's a bit, logistically, it's a bit of a tough one, unless you're really organized and book something up way in advance. It's a hard one to... To go to, so I'm not going this year. Sadly, I'm covering it uh, kind of off site, but um, I'm not going to be there, which is a shame, and I'll I'll regret not sorting myself out quicker. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a. I, I even have my stag do at St Andrews, so I, I do have quite a connection, a strong connection with the place. It's just a, a wonderful. If you ever get a chance to go, I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, you'd obviously want to play the course, but just being there and. I'm wandering around. It's just unbelievable. So I'm doing, uh-huh. trust me, it's on my list. I'm doing Ireland in a month yeah. for the first time. I've, I've oh, never cool. put, I've never played golf in Ireland. So we're, we're doing Bally Bunyan and Traley and Lahench and all, and all of those. I don't think we're going to be able to get over to Scotland, but my, uh, I, I'm thinking about it every day. I think I'm like yeah. 30, no, 45 ish days out. We're going at the very beginning of September, but oh wow, um, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, we're playing as soon as we were thinking about it and we saw those pictures of Tiger 
and um, Rory playing Bally Bunyan, and we booked on the spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's such a great. I, it makes me almost want to be American, so I can have the, the experience of come making this pilgrimage to these <laughs> courses because they're sort of fairly near. So, have, you, have in, you been to Ireland at all? Yes, but I've not played any of those okay. um, great courses, unfortunately. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I've played a few. I've played. I'm about an hour and a half away from Lytham and Birkdale, mm. so I've played those a few times. Oh. And Hoylake as well, Liverpool. We're going, to, we're going to Liverpool next year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a really good one for me because I'm okay. an hour or so away. But yeah, that's... That's a really nice course. I really like of all the, of those three. I think Birkdale's the most spectacular. It really is sort of dunes, and it, that's a great one to see. I, I played Muirfield as well. Yeah, I managed to play there. So I've, I've had some good ones. For my, I always wish I was a better golfer, but even <laughs> at my level, you still can, you know, have a brilliant time. So yeah, your trip should be brilliant. Yeah, great. Well, Dave, this was a uh, it was a pleasure, and I was uh, you kind of booked your way in for uh, for Liverpool next year. Um, so I can't I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to chat with me. And right, well. what what else you got going on? So you said you're covering it. Do you have any? I know give let everybody know where they can find your two articles this week. If if you've got any other stuff to plug before we get out of here. Yeah, so um, my article is up on betfair.com, the, the main outright one. I'll also be doing a first-round leader one, a, a top five, top ten market one. I'll also be doing a podcast with Ben Coley for, for Betfair, which we're recording tomorrow. And then in the tournament itself, I don't know if you know the Guardian newspaper. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, so I'll be doing their live blog for, four, for the four days. Uh, so that's going to be a, a fun thing to do. That's big time. Yeah. So, so you're good. you're getting up. You're doing. You're covering first tee, and you're because I know I think one of my some of my friends at Golf Digest does something similar. Uh, I think one of my friends at Golf Digest does the same thing, and you're you're there, man. You're you're from start to finish. You're you're yeah, tracking so, that thing. Yeah. So I'm getting a. I don't know if you do you know Matt Cooper. Do you, are you aware of Matt's yeah, work? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, he's gonna he's gonna solve help help out as well so me and matt uh, we're going to sort of cover it between us this year for the first time there's a guy who normally does it called scott murray and he's brilliant but he's he's uh just he's away this time right Uh, so i'm luckily i've got i've got the gig so uh, i shall be uh very pleased to be doing that i love doing doing that because it I sometimes do the live blog for um, like games of football and it's so, you just, you literally, but you can slightly breathe a little bit more with golf and tell the story a little bit more at a gentler pace. So, so yeah. So if, if you read in the guardian blog, look out for just guardian.com um, and I'll be blogging throughout the week. But as you say, long, long days, aren't they? Long days. Long days, and it's uh, Dave Tindall Golf on Twitter, right? Is where uh, Dave Tindall you. Golf, yeah, on Twitter, yeah. Dave, it was great to see you. We'll do it again soon, my friend. Yeah, cheers, Andy. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's it for the show. Special thanks to Dave Tindall. Special thanks to RickRunGood.com. One more reminder: leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to be entered into a draw that I'll be doing next week on the podcast. Two hundred dollars in cash and. We'll be back on Tuesday evening with Kobe talking DraftKings. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead center back road stop Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.